Today's scripture reading is Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know the Lord is God. It is he that made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Thanks be to God. The epistle reading this morning is 1 Corinthians verse 1, 18 through 25. For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not not know God through wisdom, God decided through the foolishness of our proclamation to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs about Greeks desire wisdom, but we proclaim Christ crucified a stumbling block of Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. Thanks be to God. Uh, Somewhere in the Middle Ages, it started a thousand years ago. This idea that in the resurrection, you know, the devil thought he had the last word, but that in the resurrection, God takes the last word and sort of plays a trick on the devil and sort of uh, makes uh, a mockery of all those things that would claim us, that would take us away from God's love. God says, not so fast, not going to happen, not to my children. I have claimed them. In the Gospels, and particularly in um, this this section that was read to you uh, from the epistles, but Paul has this constant theme of being fools for Christ, the idea that we are called to uh, live out this gospel that is so strange, it's, it turns the whole world upside down. You know, Jesus says to turn the other cheek if somebody comes after you. Jesus reminds us always to be the first person to bring healing and hope that in the midst of darkness and despair, we are people that always bring forth light and love and peace. And so this idea of turning the world upside down, the idea of just living into the joy. And I have to say that joy is very different than happiness. We we live in a culture that wants us to consume happiness and wants us to think that we can buy our way to happiness. That if we just uh, buy this car or this house or this, clothes or this, whatever it is, gym membership, or even this medication, in anything that we will find our way to joy. But of course, none of it, that's not really possible that for, for Christians, our joy is certainly not in the externals. And it's certainly not in the sort of, uh, a sort of mundane joy that says that uh, we're just all about being happy people. Um, I think that there is a sort of toxic Christianity that can say that if you're really a follower of Jesus Christ, you're just always happy. And that's not what this is about. 
this is a joy that, that goes deeper than just happiness, but a joy that takes us into this well of God's love for us that is so much deeper, that, that pulls us beyond all of the headlines and pulls us behind all of the, the stuff that goes on in our lives. And there is plenty of stuff. Uh, and pulls us to a deeper place of joy, not just mere happiness, but to a deeper place of joy. And isn't it beautiful that God created us as people for laughter and people of goofiness? I mean, we didn't just, you know, for some folks, I suppose religion is just all serious and very, uh, it's just a very stern practice. But I think if we are created in God's image and God created us with just these incredible sense of humor and incredible sense of being able to comfort one another, to cause one another to laugh, uh, then our faith ought to reflect that. So I was thinking this week, and you know, we happen to have somebody in our church who um, who works at the Magic Kingdom there in Anaheim, and is really good friends. And I mean, like, good, good friends uh, with our friend Goofy at Disneyland and our friend Tigger at Disneyland. And I thought it might be fun to talk with Nate Lee about what it's like to, to be such good friends with, um, with Goofy. I mean, and so um, I want to, uh, we're going we're gonna to go over to Nate. We're going to try a little interview here. Um, so Nate, you are an ambassador for joy, really. Um, you help to uh, share love and joy in what is deemed to be the happiest place on earth um, in your good friendship with Goofy. And so, you know, you want to share us a little bit with us, like what, what that's like to be an ambassador for joy? Um, yes, that, it, well, uh, I, I do. I do. And, and I wanted to uh, tell you that uh, they insisted on joining me here, uh, Tigger on my left and, and Goofy on my right. And, and uh, uh, I want to show you that, that my T-shirt is, it says, you can't see it. It says, I'm so goofy at the, at the the bottom there so this is one of of course it was given to me by my kids uh, of course so um it's one of my most cherished uh shirts of, not possession uh, you know you, uh, what you just said amy reminds me of um uh two two jokes uh, i want to start out before i talk about disneyland is uh it's like how do you know god has a sense of humor because he created us or i should say she created us and uh uh, the other one is, how do you make God laugh? Make plans. So on, on that note, uh, so uh, what, I, what I think uh, people uh, love about Tigger is that uh, he expresses uh, joy with his whole body. I mean, he just can't contain himself. That's, that's why he loves to bounce is, and, and actually bounce on people uh, is, is that he's just, he's just so full of, of the joy of life that he has to express it with his whole body. Uh, Goofy is, of course, a little calmer. Um, uh, when I'm around Goofy, he he likes to hug people. Uh, he's you know he's part dog, so so he's very. I think people like him because he's very accepting of 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 uh, both his own um, awkwardness and his own fallacy. Uh, you know, just general awkwardness <laughs> and uh, and. I think that uh, he he hugs people all the time. He practice, he tries to hug just about every guest that will let him. He, sometimes even guests that are like, "Oh, don't touch me! Don't touch me!" He'll still 
they'll still hug them too, you know, figuring that they really need a hug. Um, and, uh, and, and I hear uh, like he particularly likes to uh, hug grandmas for not because Goofy's really old. He's like 90 years old, but uh, but uh, he likes to hug grandmas because uh he feels like sometimes they walk around Disneyland and they're like second-class citizens. So, uh, so Goofy feels like they need extra love. And indeed, uh, a lot of times, almost every day, some grandma will say, oh, thanks, I needed that. Whenever they say that, of course, Goofy gives them another hug. And he also likes to see if he can, of course, uh, he's, he's very tall and he's, he's a little daunting to, to, kids when they're about a little over one year old they start getting afraid of them they learn to be afraid and so uh uh so you know sometimes they're just terrified of them if they're not terribly terrified but they're just a little nervous goofy likes to bring them along bring them around uh feels like he owes that to their parents because then the next character that they see the kids will like them that much more so uh sometimes he goes a little too far and he makes it worse though you know because he's goofy after all. Uh, he told me once uh, that he likes to look back in the audience and, and I'm audience in the line. And, and, and as people are, um, as people are waiting to see him, you know, he'll see somebody and they'll look like they're not having fun. They'll be scowling or frowning or just tired. And he goes, you know, he says, I, I want to see, you know, if I can make that person laugh or at least smile. And, and he takes it as a personal challenge that by the, and usually, of course, by the time they get to up to the front of the line, they're smiling anyway. One, because they're at the front of the line and two, because they're seeing Goofy. So, yeah. Uh, did, did you have other questions for me? <laughs> that was a long answer, huh? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think it's super fun. So what has being, being such good friends with Goofy taught you about joy and laughter and having a good time? Yeah. Um, uh, quite a lot, actually. When, when I, uh, first started there, uh, M Mark was pastor and I told him, oh, don't worry, Mark, don't worry. The people at, at, uh, at Disneyland are almost as nice as the people at church. And of course I get to go there five days a week instead of just one or two. So, uh, yeah, he laughed, Mark laughed, but, um, uh, I think the secret to happiness is you charge somebody over a hundred bucks. You make them walk more than they've ever walked in their lives, probably, you know, five, 10 miles sometimes, you know, and you make them stand in line for hours, you know, and then, uh, you know, and surprise them a few times and, and they'll be happy. But uh, honestly, um, I think that uh, what, what I see is, uh, uh, and what makes me, and particularly Goofy, especially happy is when, when uh, you know, Walt created Disneyland, the first idea he had, he was sitting watching um, his kids, his, his two girls on the merry-go-round at Griffith Park. And he was just sitting there and, you know, he would do that every Saturday, he'd take them somewhere and he'd sit and watch them play. And, and he thought, wouldn't it be nice if there was some way we could do something together? But then I, I see a lot of dads uh, forget that or don't know that. And, and even when it comes time to take a picture with Goofy, they'll, they'll stand off to the side. They don't want to engage. Uh, and of course, you know, Goofy will oftentimes insist, you know, pull them over 
sometimes physically, you know, <laughs> uh, to join in the picture. And I think that, uh, that the families that have fun, particularly the dads that have fun are the ones that are joining in They're They're playing too. Uh, I, I, I've, I've remarked several times that uh, it's amazing that people that that work at Disneyland have worked there for many years. They always, I mean, always look about ten or fifteen years younger than than they really are, and that's because they play for a living. In fact, I tell a lot of the kids, uh, you know, that that are sometimes, of course, it's a job, so they complain. They have to feel compelled to complain. And uh, I tell them, I say, you know, it's like someday you're going to have to have a real job. And believe me, I've had real jobs and this is the best job you'll ever have. And you'll wish that you were back here. Uh, you know, I guarantee because because and that's why I think the people that stay there make it a career. Uh, look at Goofy. I mean, look how much younger he is. Uh, he looks than he is, you know, so. Um, yeah. Uh, Part of uh, your question too is is about me is is um, you know when I first joined uh, when I first got the job at Disneyland uh, people asked me well, why do you want to work at Disneyland <laughs> like you know and I was like you're kidding right it, 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 had you heard that it's the happiest place on earth you know and and then I realized maybe what I was a little slow so it took me a while. To, to, to realize this, but then I realized it's like, uh, um, it's not, uh, you know, after a while, it's the joy comes from not just being in this job where you feel like you're on vacation. It, the, the job, the joy of it really is in making other people happy. You know, uh, you know, either if I'm a host or if I'm hanging with goofy, uh, you, you know, it's just, uh, Sometimes I, you know, they laugh because I give them a hard time because I tell people, I, uh, I tell my boss, cause I'm always breaking the rules. I say, well, you know, I'm, I'm taller, I'm bald, I'm older than they are. And I'm certainly louder than they are. So they generally have to do what I say, you know, and so I can break the rules. And I tell, I tell, I tell this lady who's just insisted on, you know, after all, like I said, after paying all that money, she still insisted on not being happy. I said, well, you know, I said, you know, I'll tell you something. I, I figured out the secret to happiness, at least at Disneyland, and possibly after you go home, is it's patience and flexibility. Now, I'm not a patient person, as as, as Dina and people I've worked with at the church will testify. I'm not very patient, but uh, it just well it makes you more patient. But flexibility, you know, if you if you realize that, oh, I can't see Mickey, but uh, maybe I can do one of the hundred thousand other things I can do. And, uh, you know, uh, people are always uh, telling me that, you know, I ask them, well, what are you going to do next? And they say, Oh, well, we're just going to walk around until we see something. And I think these are the happy people. They're the people that really understand Disneyland because they're the ones that are going to have the most fun because they just, they, they're playing and they're just going to, uh, be flexible and let let the joy come to them let you know let, let themselves be open to whatever experience happens to them that so those are the lessons i've learned <laughs> um, uh, that's so it's so interesting because i have been thinking about that with 
this whole pandemic and this quarantine, which is really not very fun for any of us. And, but I do think that like the difference and I'm, I'm, I'm so proud of people for the most part in terms of how well people have just sort of adapted to this crazy time and that sense of just needing to be flexible and needing to be uh, patient uh, while we, while we do what we need to do to, uh, to care for one another in this time. Um, I, I do think, Nate, that you probably have the most fun job of anybody I've ever met. Um, I've always said Disney... that, that are fun to talk about at parties and dinner parties. And stuff, you know? But this is by far the most fun. You know, it's almost embarrassing because you're like uh, people keep asking and sincerely asking you questions about what it's like, you know, <laughs> and not that I don't mind, obviously, monopolizing the conversation. But, uh, you know, Walt, I think Walt himself said, it's just the way you look at things. His happiness is the way you look at things. So it, I think I went through a bunch of quotes on happiness. And it's, you know, the cliche is that it's a choice. You know, you choose to be happy. You know, you may, as Lincoln said, you just make up your mind to be happy. Yeah. Well, thank you, Nate, for uh, your willingness to uh, jump into this conversation. I. I talked to, to Nate on, like, I think it was Monday or Tuesday, I can't remember, and was sort of like, I, you know, I have this crazy idea. I mean, Bright Sunday, I was already kind of thinking about, but um, this idea of, wouldn't it be fun to talk to to you about what was happening um, and, and thinking about what does it mean for us to be people of joy in the middle of a difficult time? And, and, I started had this internal conflict about doing a bright Sunday. Now I've done bright Sunday that at previous churches where we really have almost come to church and costume everybody. So you're lucky today. We didn't, uh, but people came to church in all kinds of crazy outfits and the choir sang great crazy songs. And we just had a really great time. Uh, gosh, in the middle of the pandemic, do we really want to do something like that? And I thought, you know, I think it's important for us to ground ourselves in this sort of greater truth that uh, in the middle of all that is going on, our faith calls us um, to God's presence. It doesn't ignore the darkness in the world. It doesn't say that the tombs are not an ever-present reality. But it says that we are people who walk in the light of God's love. And we are people who, who draw our sense of joy from a deeper place, from a place of God's grace and God's peace. And so we we plant ourselves, we root ourselves in something that is, is much deeper. And we can do that in ways that are uh, fun and joyful and silly and playful and all of that good stuff. Certainly churches are really good at being somber and serious and that all has a place too. Um, but even in this time, even as we, we struggle with what it means um, to care for one another as a society. What does it mean for us as citizens in this time to struggle with the economic realities of ourselves or other citizens? We're still called into God's presence and it is in God's presence that we root ourselves in something deeper than the, the headlines of whatever hour it happens to be or the latest tweets or whatever is going are called to a, a deeper place. Uh, a deeper place of peace and hopefully even joy in the middle of it all. Let us pray. God, we thank you that you are a God that is full of joy. 
by laughter and love, that you are a God that graced humans with the ability to laugh, to laugh at ourselves, to laugh at the wonder of creation, to feel all the goodness of life, to know that even in the midst of dark times that you are present with us. And so God is, as we are in this time where so much of the headlines are kind of dark and scary, we know that you are present with us, that you walk this journey with us. And so God, we ask that you instill in us a deeper sense of your joy, a deeper sense of your peace, and with the gift of laughter and love that comes with being a community of faith together. We offer ourselves, our hope, our joy to you. In the name of Christ, amen.